Well, changing gears from where we just were in that beautiful place. Uh, buckle your seatbelts, because today we're talking about being bold. <laughs> uh, we're going to look at the book of Acts, and this is our final episode in our summer blockbusters series. We've been telling some epic stories that highlight God's working partnership with some of His servants throughout history, and I love a good story. I love it even more when the stories are true, and that's what we've been looking into, stories that actually happened, historical events that have been recorded for us in our very reliable historical collection of ancient manuscripts that we call the Bible. And into one, we tell people all the time, you can belong here before you believe. You can start to, uh, you don't have to start by believing everything that we believe. Um, you, you, you can start here because, I don't know, you're intrigued, just, just because you like the people. That would make sense. You can start because you're, you're somewhat interested in Jesus, maybe just because you like the feeling of the place. So you can belong here before you believe. But then as you grow, as we are, we're, we're going to encourage you to be bold. Belong, believe, be bold. Don't be obnoxious, okay? But grow to be bold, boldly kind, boldly generous, boldly encouraging, boldly serving, boldly sacrificing, and boldly speaking truth. One of the most common mindsets uh, for the church world today is inspired by St. Francis of Assisi. Preach all the time, and when necessary, use words. Now, many of us really like that. We go, yeah, St. Francis, he's my guy. Because instead of speaking about my faith, I'm just going to let my life be a witness. I'm going to let my life, the way I live, it's just going to be a witness, which sounds good, honestly. We don't live in the same world that St. Francis of Assisi lived in. But yeah, it still sounds good. And it's a great place to start because hands down, you know, we want our lives absolutely to be a witness. But there are times when we shouldn't just let our lives be a witness, but we should let our words be a witness, and we should speak boldly. So when? How do I know? What would be a good idea? When would it be a good idea to speak boldly and clearly? So let me just give you uh, an idea. Let's say the two of us are going for a walk, and you're walking beside me here, and I see up ahead a vicious, hideous, slithering snake beast, and their defense is uh, in camouflage. They blend in. So if there's one right there and we're walking along and I just kind of walk a little over here, what am I doing? I'm letting my life be a witness to you. I showed you what you should do, but you may not notice. And if you step on that snake, you are going to notice it. You may end up being very miserable and you're going to swell up and you're going to fall down and then you're going to be all up on me to suck the venom out and then I'm going to say no and then you're going to be even more mad at me. What would be a much more loving thing for me to do than just to let my life be a witness? Well, it would be to let my words be a witness and to say boldly to you, snake! And then we could stop Take a step back, get some pictures with it, right? Instagram with it, put it on our Facebook, Twitter feeds, and then we could hashtag Demon Spawn. And then everyone would know of our time with the snake. Because there's a time to let your life be a witness. 
that should be an always-on kind of thing. But there's also times when you got to speak boldly to keep people out of something that would harm them and lead them into a better way of life. So boldness is behavior born out of a belief. And our key thought for today draws from that. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Now, could you please boldly say that phrase aloud with me? What do we do? We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Now, that was terrible. Um, Church Online, help them out here. Uh, Let's try boldly this time. What are we going to do? We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Perfect. Beautiful. The book of Acts. Uh, There's many stories. Uh, It's it's a great… You should read it. It's a good book. Uh, Many uh, stories about the New Testament Christians who are just starting out who believed deeply that Jesus was not dead and instead He was alive. And because they believed in the resurrection of Jesus, they were witnesses to it. They spoke boldly over and over and over again. I'll just give you a couple of quick snapshots of this in action. First snapshot, we get uh, Saul. Think back. Saul was the guy that used to persecute Christians and even take their lives. After he'd been transformed by an encounter with Jesus, this is what happens, Acts chapter 9, verse 28. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem doing what? Come on, everybody, say it out loud. He was speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Then after Saul had his name changed to Paul, Saul, Paul, uh, he was hanging out with uh, one of his mentors, Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, they traveled around together. We get to Acts chapter 14, verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. And what were they doing? They weren't just letting their lives be a witness, but they were speaking boldly for the Lord. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, disciples are under extraordinary persecution, and they pray in persecution for more boldness. 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what did they do? They spoke the Word of God, how? Boldly. Why? Because we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. It just happens. And we're going to jump into a story, and it's not featuring Saul, and it's not featuring Paul, but today, Peter and John. That's right. Today only, you get two for the price of one. Peter and John, they're in Jerusalem, and they're going for a walk. So right now, they're outside the temple, right by the temple gate, and they come across a guy a guy who had been lame for 40 years. Everybody in the community knew this guy. He's outside the temple for 40 years. And he said, as they walked by, he said, hey, can you guys give me some money? He's a beggar. He's got no other way to survive except to beg. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And miraculously, this guy who had been lame for 40 years suddenly could walk. Now, 
it's a story, but imagine the buzz that this would have in that community. Because everybody would have known this guy. They all go to the temple and they all walk by this guy. He's a beggar. He's been there for 40 years. He's always in need. I always have to decide whether or not I'm going to give him something. And now he's up and walking around, and this is a supernatural event. We all got to talk about it. And well, the religious people, the Sanhedrin, that's the people who are kind of in charge. The Sanhedrin is like a combination of the Supreme Court, civil government, and the temple leadership. They didn't like the fact that Peter and John were talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Like, the reason that the guy is healed is because of the risen Jesus. Because those guys had called for the execution of Jesus just a couple of weeks ago. Many didn't believe in the resurrection in general, and they certainly didn't want to believe in the resurrection of Jesus in particular. So the the Sanhedrin put Peter and John on trial. They threatened them. They questioned them. And they wanted to either keep them uh, imprisoned or maybe even just kill them. But they were trapped. The problem is... There's this guy who couldn't walk, that everyone knew, couldn't walk for 40 years, and everybody knew it. So they couldn't come down too hard on Peter and John because everybody knew that through them there was just this miracle. And that's where we pick up the story. We see the behind-the-scenes dialogue. The religious leaders ask this question. Acts chapter 4, verse 16. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem, everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign. And we cannot deny it. Oh, we want to deny it, but we can't. Right there, they're they're, they're saying, we don't believe it, but we can't deny it. We don't understand it, but we can't deny it. We can't explain it, but we can't deny it. We don't like it, but we can't deny it. We wish it was not happening in our time, but we can't deny it. Everyone knows And I love when God does something that's so obvious that that the world may look on and and they say, we don't believe it, but we don't understand it. But boy, we cannot deny it. Have you ever had something like that happen to you? Has that been part of your experience? Because I know it's happened to me. Catches me off guard. And and, and then I have to work to figure it out. That's not the way I thought things were going to go. Now what do I do? Well, my son, Merlin was quite young. We bought him his first two-wheel bicycle, the two-wheeler. And he was uh, uh, new to riding, and he was bouncing between very confident and nervous. So I took him to the park so we didn't have to worry about cars on any of the roads. And he got a little breath of confidence, you know, that I, I, I can do it. And he began to pedal harder and faster. And he cut a corner. And he went off the paved pathway. And the front wheel hit some sand. Well, you know what it's like to hit sand in the best of times. This was not the best of times. Down he went, but close enough to the pathway that his bare knees hit the asphalt. Many of you remember this feeling yourselves, I'm sure. For the parent, it all happens so quickly. Stop. It's nothing you can do. And for the child, it all happens so slowly. No. And down he goes, out of my reach, and he wipes out scrapes his knees, and he scrapes them for real. He's bleeding, and not just a little bit. He did it. He's scared by the sudden violence and by the pain of it. He's scared by the sight of his own dripping blood, and the tears come, and he's sobbing, and we, we start to walk home, and uh, me guiding the bike with one hand and holding his hand with my other hand home to get 
cleaned up, home because home is safe. Um, and so we're walking along, and, and I'm trying to figure out what level of comfort he needs. What can I actually do? How do I do what he needs me to do? And then out of nowhere, through the tears, Merlin said, well, Dad, I'm going to pray and ask Jesus to help me. And being the great man of faith that I am, I said, oh, buddy, I got to protect God here, right? Um, that's so cute that, you, you know, but, I mean, it's already bleeding and you really hurt yourself, so it's going to take some time. And it's like it, he didn't even hear me. And it's probably good that he didn't even really hear me because he just started praying through the tears, Jesus, it really hurts. I'm sad. And I'm scared of my new bike. Please help me. Before the corner, he started walking on his own. Doesn't need daddy's hand anymore. Stops crying, wants to hold the bike himself. Before the corner, my first thought is, I don't believe it. That's, I was, God's not going to work like that. But I can't deny it. It just happened. I was there. He prayed. He was changed in about seven steps. That's like the context in verse 17. They said, we've got to put a stop to this. The religious leader said, verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them. That's Peter and John. Give them a stern talking to. To speak no longer to anyone in his name, 18. And then they called them in again, and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, 19. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. 20, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Because we believe deeply, we're going to have to speak boldly. There is more than one kind of boldness. We know this. There is a boldness that comes from being with Jesus, like Peter and John were exhibiting. And there's a boldness that comes from being a jerk, right? The former attracts people to Jesus. The latter repels, like, everyone. And we've seen plenty of that. Honestly, I've seen too much of that. God has not called us not a single one of us, to be a jerk for Jesus. It will ever be God's kindness that leads to repentance. And those two words in the Greek that are translated as cannot help, we cannot help but speak, uh, they basically mean it's not possible. You need to understand, you can threaten us, we're, we're still speaking. You can beat us, we're going to speak louder. You can put us to death, and the last words that are going to come off my lips will be the name of Jesus. Because if you've seen what we've seen, if you've heard what we've heard, you can't keep it in. You just have to tell it's that good. If you saw the people that we were, if you knew me before, and you see the way that we are now, if you saw the sins, my sins that he's forgiven, I mean, you'd have to talk about it too. If you saw the miracles that we've seen, you just can't keep it to yourself. It's just not something that fades down. 
When you're excited about something, you talk about it, right? Could be a movie. You got to see it. Oh, it's so romantic. He walked in the room and she said, you had me at hello. Oh. And you go to a restaurant and the restaurant stands out and you go, oh, food's amazing. Got to tell our friends, this is a place worth going. You got to go there. It's awesome. Some things you can't just, you can't stop. You can't help. It just comes out. It's like when I hear a great song, uh, my kids will tell you, I can't help dancing. It's, you know, chair dancing quite frequently. I can't help dancing and clapping off beat. It's just what I do. It's kind of inside me. This song comes on and I, anyway, there are some things you can't help when you've seen and what you've heard. When, 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 you, when you've heard what we've heard, you realize that, that Jesus was dead and now he is alive. And it changes everything, because how does that even work? You can threaten us all you want, but you need to understand. Asking us to stop talking, it's impossible. We're just not going to be able to stop living our lives as a witness. We have to speak beyond our life, because it's so deep in us, because we speak boldly about we believe deeply. So i got four areas, four specific areas where I believe that God wants you to speak, not just live Um, as a witness, but to speak boldly. So because I believe so deeply, there are times I can't help but speak boldly to myself. This is what David did. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. David was greatly distressed for for the people spoke of stoning him, and that's a very good reason to be distressed. Some of you are distressed right now. You're not going to get stoned, but there's a lot of hard stuff going on. What did David do? David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He just preached himself a sermon. He told the truth. He encouraged himself with the truth. He spoke boldly to himself because himself needed to hear it. I don't know what he might have said. He might have said, like, I remember the time when God gave me the strength to kill the lion and the tiger and the bear. Oh, my. He might have said, I remember when God gave me the faith to stare down that giant and say, just who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine, to come against the armies of the living God? Everybody else says that you are too big to beat, and I say you're just too big to miss. Somebody give me a rock and duck. I'm taking him out. Whatever it was, whatever David said to himself, whatever he reminded himself of, he preached it to himself, and he encouraged himself And you don't have to be in the Bible, and you don't have to go to Bible school to be able to do the same thing for yourself. I'm telling you what, if you've never preached a sermon before, you start by preaching to yourself. Some of the best sermons I've ever preached, I preached to myself. I preached so good sometimes, I collected the offering myself. My sermons to myself are just that good. Next time you're overwhelmed, and you're too overcome with just too much to do, you say, I Maybe I got babies everywhere, diapers and dishes and domestic duties. Preach to yourself. Like Philippians 4.13, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. You're overwhelmed. Maybe it's at work. It's it's maybe going to be at school again. You go, there's just so much. How am I ever going to get it done? You know what? Stop and preach to yourself. When I am weak, He is strong. Zechariah 4, verse 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. When you're afraid, 
And there's good reason to be afraid. Preach to yourself. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Come on. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? When you are worried, preach God's Word to yourself. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Seven, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Because I believe so deeply, every now and then, I've got to encourage myself in the Lord. But because I believe so deeply, I can't help but encourage you people around me. I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that the body of Christ, the Christians, us, should hands down be far and away the most encouraging people on planet earth. Now, that's where you should be saying amen to that because it's so true. Hebrews 3.13, we are told to encourage one another. It says, encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encouraging somebody else is a way to fight against the effects of sin in your own life. Every single day, as long as it's called a day, you should be encouraging one another, using God's Word to lift people up. So let me boldly speak God's Word over you and to you. Do not grow weary in doing good. And it's easy to grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Into one community church, God began a work in you, and He will complete it. He, you will finish what God called you to do. And I'm standing here today talking to you today because someone encouraged me to keep going, to not give up. And I want to encourage you also because I have to. It's what I'm called to do. Don't quit. Don't grow weary in doing good for at the proper time, in the proper season. Not when you thought it would be convenient, but in the proper season. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on your vision that God has given you. Don't give up on the ministry that is buried deep within you that just needs to come out. Don't give up, and by all means, don't give up on God because our God will never, ever give up on you. Encourage someone today. How about today? We can do this after you leave, while you're leaving, before you leave. Use the encouragement cards. We've got some of them at the back. Use the encouragement section at Church Online. Uh, Go to intoone.ca. Use our next steps there. There's an encouragement place. You have been given a voice. Use the voice that you have been given. Use your email. Use your texting. Use whatever means you have to encourage someone. When you believe deeply, you speak boldly. And I pray that our church rises up to be the boldest encouragers on the planet. Because we believe so deeply, and this one's not nearly as fun, but it's just as important. Because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lovingly correct you. That's not just me to you. That's you talking to each other as well. There are times 
when I love you so much and I believe so much that what God is saying is right and what God is saying is wrong, that I have to lovingly correct you. Now, I want you to notice that I said lovingly. Everybody say lovingly. Lovingly. Not loving in my opinion, loving also in the opinion of the person who's receiving it, okay? You don't go out and be a jerk in the name of Jesus. It's not abuse. That's not biblical correction. Biblical correction is when someone steps outside of the Word of God and you love them enough. You're not better than they are, but you correct them lovingly, remind them lovingly. According to Matthew 18, as so many people have corrected me, Graham, we love you too much to let you go this way. That's dangerous. Proverbs 27, 6, a great thing to lock into your head. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. It could be that you're a girl, and your girlfriends are always around trash-talking their husband. He's a nothing, go nowhere. He's just a bump on a log. He's a na-na-na-na. And finally, you just say, you know what? I love you, and I love your marriage. I love it too much to let you to let you keep talking him out of what, who God wants him to be. He will never become the man of God that God wants him to be when you continue to take him out at the knees. You speak life. You speak love. You speak encouragement. And I'm not going to let you bring that here. I love you too much to let you just tear him down in front of me. No more. Not in front of me. I am not going to say that it's all right. Could be someone around you, and everyone knows someone who's addicted to something, addicted to drugs, addicted to pornography, addicted to alcohol, addicted to work, addicted to whatever, and no one around them has the spiritual mm-hmm to, to say anything about it. But you're going to. You're going to stand in the way and say, I'm here. I'm not someone who's better than you but I'm here because I love you. And I'm not going to let you spiral down. I'm going to get you help. I'm going to stand by you. And together we are going to kick this addiction. I love you too much to let you hurt yourself. You are too important. Could be that you're a guy. Got one of your buddies. He's leaving his wife to go chase some younger skirt. And you know what you're going to do. It's time. You're going to get up in his face because no one else will. And you're going to say, hey, I'm going to be the best friend that you have ever had. And you might want to hit me. You might hate me. But I was there the day that you said I do before God. And you promised to God. And you promised to her. And I'm not going to let you play with this poisonous snake because Satan is a liar. And you're, gonna, you're chasing something. It's going to destroy your life. Get your butt back home. Be a man of God. Love your bride. Be a dad to your kids. You're not going to let some other man raise your kids. I love you too much. And you speak boldly. Why? Because you're a jerk? No. Because you're better? Absolutely not. But because you believe deeply. And when you believe deeply, you've got to speak boldly. And that partnership with Jesus grows in love. Your belief is formed in love. It's soaked in love. It is dripping in love. And it's within the context of your ongoing 
relationship. It's not a hit and run. Because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lead you toward Christ. And this is what the disciples said. You can beat us. You can lock us up. You can threaten to kill us. Acts 4.20. But as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. This is not instructions for building your very own soapbox that you can go off on people with. This is about an honesty in lifestyle, an integrity. We can't help it. We're just going to do it. You can't talk us out of it. Here's the deal. If you don't speak boldly, maybe it's because you've forgotten and you no longer believe deeply. Because what you believe deeply, I'm telling you, you can't live for the lower things of the world. You can't be uh, like the world just selling out to material things. There's, there, there, there's something in you. You've got to make a difference. It bubbles up. It interferes with your plans. You've got to follow Christ. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe it's faded. Let me remind you. Let me bring it back. Let me put it in front of your eyes again. Let me fan the flame. Let me call you back to Jesus. You're not going to always just let your life be a witness because sometimes it's just such a great opportunity. You can't keep it to yourself. You've just got to say who He is and what He's done. So we continue to pray for boldness like right now. Father, I pray that our church would have such a deep belief in the resurrection of your son Jesus that we would so believe, just like Peter and John, that they crucified him, but today the tomb is empty, and that's because he's risen from the dead. We can't hold back on this truth. It compels us with kindness. God, I pray that you would stir us up, uh, stir us up supernaturally to be bold, not odd, bold and kooky, weirdo, bold, but bold with your love and with your grace and generosity and compassion, and that we would earn the right to be heard by being sacrificial, Christ-following, God-honoring, faithful, kind people. God, help us respond to do, not to not just be hearers of the Word, but to be doers also. For those of us who are feeling down today, help us to speak boldly to ourselves. Help us to speak boldly to each other, encouraging. Help us to be so involved in people's lives that we have the opportunity to speak boldly and lovingly correct each other. Help us to speak boldly when it comes to leading people to you, Jesus, telling the truth. God, there are people here who would say, I'm not as bold as I need to be. I'm not as bold as I want to be. Maybe I need to believe more deeply. God, I want to so believe in you that boldness is a supernatural result of my faith in you, my time with you. God, I thank you for those today that truly want to know you even more intimately. I pray as they know you through your word that they would speak your word also speak to us that you might also speak through us. God, that when prompted by the Holy Spirit, they would speak boldly because they believe deeply. And God, we trust you with the results as we obey the promptings of your Spirit. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you have done and what you are doing in us and through us. 